0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. So we want to conclude our series today on our five-year anniversary, our series entitled Simple Church, in uh, which we've been uh, literally just going right to Acts chapter 2 and looking at these four main things that the early church gave themselves to. Um, you know, life is very complicated. Your life is probably complicated, um, you know, whether it be your job, whether it be, you know, taking kids to this place, to that place, whatever it might be. And so here at Canvas Church, we just believe that church should be simple. And, uh, and so that's what we've been doing over this series, is just going right back to the text, the Word of God, and saying, what is it that the early church gave themselves to? What, what, what are the things they did uh, that made it so extravagant? And so we're going to read it. And, uh, and it's amazing to me, these four simple things they did, and as they did these four simple things, that extravagant things happened. Miracles took place, uh, and, and, and we're gonna see here that in one day, 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. They surrendered their heart to Jesus, and, and it's just four simple things they did. Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, and it says, and they, who's they? If you look at the verse right before it, this is the 3,000 that just got saved, and they, devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and we talked about that what the apostles teaching is so you can go to our, our our website and catch up if you need to they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers and because they did these four things because they gave themselves to the Bible in studying the Bible and in hearing the teaching of the word because they gave themselves to fellowship, and we talked about what fellowship is in context in one of our messages, and because they gave themselves to prayer, and because they gave themselves, here it says the breaking of bread. What we're going to see in just a minute is that's communion. Because they gave themselves to communion, they did these four things. Uh, Look at what takes place. An awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved they 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 gave themselves to the word they gave themselves to true biblical fellowship they gave themselves to prayer and they gave themselves to communion which we're going to talk about today and because they did those things Awe came on people. Signs and wonders were being done through the church. Uh, we see in the context here that, that, that there was generous living going on and people were being added day by day to the kingdom of God. Pretty phenomenal thing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Um, God, we thank you that your word is, is the very thing that keeps us going. God, it's your word that we esteem more than our necessary food. God, it's your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path lord it's your word that we hide in our heart that we might not sin against you so god we thank you for your word today and god i pray that your word would come alive in this place and minister to every single person here uh, lord whether they're here for the first time checking it out god whether they're considering making this their church uh, lord whether they're visiting they used to be a part uh, god or whether this is home i pray that you would touch every heart in this place in jesus mighty name amen The last building block that we see today that we have not yet covered is is in in, in the text here. It says the breaking of bread. What is the breaking of bread? The breaking of bread, as Luke was writing uh, here and remembering what the church gave themselves to, what made it so significant, uh, what we're talking about here, the breaking of bread, we're talking about communion. We're talking about what some people know as the Eucharist, all right? It's, the, it's, it's what the Lord presented to his followers, to his disciples uh, on, that, on that day before he was betrayed, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, communion. What is communion? You, maybe you've been to a service, a church service, and uh, and so they have communion time. Someone will share a verse, and it's all about remembering Jesus. And uh, the ushers will come by, and they'll pass the little trays, and there'll be these little cups of of, of juice. And some of you are like just hoping it's actual wine. Come on, somebody. And, you know, and the little tray comes by and you grab the little cup of juice and the little, the little piece of bread and, and you look at that and you wonder how long it's been in the package on the shelf, you all know what I'm talking about, okay? And you get that and then we talk about Jesus and we talk about his body that was broken, we talk about his blood that was poured out and, and this represents that and, and we do this and we remember him. And this is exactly what Luke is talking about in Acts chapter 2. He's saying, hey, these are the things we need to devote ourselves to. We need to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, getting into the word of God. We need to devote ourselves to true biblical fellowship that pushes us on in the things of God. And we need to devote ourselves to praying and seeking God. But there's something else there. We need to devote ourselves to communion. We need to devote ourselves to this this thing that, that we remember Jesus and the work that he has done we remember his grace we remember his goodness we remember how because of Jesus you and I can have life today we remember how he takes something broke and he takes something messed up and he takes something busted and all of a sudden he does something and it turns out to be a masterpiece We remember the work of Jesus. We remember his life, we remember his death, we remember his burial, and we remember his resurrection. And because of that, jacked up people, come on, can do extraordinary things, all right? And we remember that. There's this old saying that that goes like this, God still draws straight lines with crooked sticks. And I want you to know something that, man, I said it earlier, but the fact that God is drawing a picture called Canvas Church with the people he's using. Come on, you need to know my step. <laughs> with the people he's using is an absolute miracle, including myself. But God does something through the work of Jesus, and we need to remember the work of Jesus, and we need to remember what he has done in our life are you with me this morning and this is what luke is talking about luke is saying hey we need to devote ourselves to remembering that do not forget the work of jesus this is not something uh, that we do out of tradition And maybe you've come from a different background uh, religiously, and so communion has become tradition for you. It's something that's just a part of religious activities. It's something that we do on a Sunday morning. But we're going to see something today that communion, breaking bread, is not something meant to be tradition. It is something that is there to remind us of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is because of that cross you and I have life today. Amen. And, and Luke understood this, and he saw the people doing it. And, and here's what we need to understand, it's not tradition, but the breaking of bread, communion, the Eucharist, it is literally something that the Lord Jesus Christ established himself. It was so important that Jesus himself, as he walked the earth, it was the last thing they did before he was betrayed. Uh, you can find it in Matthew 26, 26-29. through 29. You can find it in Mark 14, 20 through to 25 and you can also find it in Luke twenty-two, fourteen 14 through 20. We're going to pull it up on the screens here, and I'm going to read it to you this morning. And it says this in Luke twenty-two, fourteen 14 through 20. And it says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and and divide it amongst yourself. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. Come on, now that's true wine right there. Are you with me? Okay. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Look at this now. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Is there another verse? No, that's it? Okay. Okay. and so we see right here, Jesus instituting this thing that we call communion. There's bread, there was wine, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. This is my body that's broken for you. Do this and remember me Jesus now I don't know about you but my mind works a little funny when I'm reading uh, these things and I read you can read about it in the synoptic gospels you can read about other places uh, and you see that this is what they did they took bread they broke it they took cup, and, and they passed around and they drank it and I have to think to myself what communion would be like today had the dinner been a different meal are you with me Now, I know maybe you don't think like that, but I think, I mean, here they are. The Bible says they're reclined at the table and they're talking with one another and Jesus is having one of these aha moments and he's like, I'm gonna use this as a teaching moment. And so he looks what's on the table and he sees bread and he sees wine. He says, I'm gonna use that. But what if it would have been lamb and beer? Are you with me this morning? (laughs) Now, some of you are sitting out there saying, man, I wish it would have been beer because I like beer better than wine, okay? But can you imagine what that communion would look like once a month at Canvas Church? You pull up in the parking lot, and all of a sudden you smell like, oh, somebody's doing a barbecue, right? Oh, it's communion day, right? And someone's out there chunking up lamb chops. Are you with me this morning? Right? And then, you know, we come in and, and then we pass the tray of lamb chops and, 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 and the mug of beer. Come on, somebody, okay? I don't know about you, but that's the way my mind works. I'm like, man, he just used what was there, and now today, you know, we have this thing called communion. We substitute the wine for grape juice, and then we go to the Bible bookstore and buy stale pieces of they call it bread, it's more like cardboard, okay? I don't know about you, but Lamb sounds a whole lot better right now. Are you with me? Okay? And so today, these are now considered the, the elements that we use to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the bread. He broke it. This is how important remembering Jesus is. It's so important that Jesus himself said, hey, guys, I want you to do this. I want you to do it often. And when you do it, you're going to think about one person. You're going to think about me. And it was so important that, that the New Testament church, when they were established and 3,000 souls were added, they weren't running around thinking about what programs they need to create, what men's ministry and women's ministry and children's ministry, and, and man, we need to get a bigger facility. They weren't running around worried about those things. Instead, they stepped back and they said, hold on, what got us here? What got us to this place that 3,000 people were added? Well, what is it that we're doing? And in a look and they say here's what we need to do we need to make sure that we stay true to this right here and we need to give ourselves to the apostles teaching the other thing we need to do is we need to make sure we're having true fellowship with one another where we're challenging one another and we're pushing people on into the purposes and the will of God and you know what else we need to do remember remember Jesus remember that night before he was betrayed we need to make sure that we are doing that and doing it often and we better pray these four simple things. It's so important that Paul, when he wrote to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 through 26, said this, if you could pull that up. Paul is now writing the church and he's reminding them, he's encouraging them on in the work of Jesus Christ. And he said, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Who's the me? It's, it's Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, oh go ahead, You're, you were good. All right. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me, Jesus. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus. Why, ladies and gentlemen, would this be one of the things, as Luke is writing Acts, what we know as Acts chapter two now, why would this be one of the things that he says, guys, we gotta devote ourselves to it? Because when you remember Jesus, you remember the work of Jesus. And when you remember the work of Jesus, it reminds us that what he did is global. That what Jesus did is global. That what he did is working around the world. Listen to the, 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 I'm just gonna give you, paraphrase some of these, John 3, 16. What does it say? For God so loved the world. We've talked about that verse before. That God loved the world so much. He so loved the world. We've talked about the people that that, that are so in love with things before. You're you're so in love that you will do anything. And he so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Luke 19.10. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's global. He came to seek and save the lost. Well, Pat Ben, what's so important about remembering that it's global? What's so important about that thought? Came to seek and save the lost. What's so important about that is this, ladies and gentlemen, is it's global that he actually came to save your boss. He came to save your neighbors. He came to save the guy that you just cut off on the freeway and waved at with one finger. (laughs) On the way to church. Come on, somebody. (laughs) He came to do that. He came and his, his reach reaches beyond your, your, your sphere of influence. His reach goes beyond your vantage point. His, his reach goes way beyond you. And when we do this in remembrance of him, we think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Wow, he loves the world. And the impact that he has had worldwide and still having worldwide today. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, that he came and he died for my boss. He died for my coworkers. He died for my neighbors. He died for the people that we have difficulty getting along with. That Jesus came to save them. And one of my favorites in 1 Timothy, that Christ came to save sinners. Christ came to save sinners sinners do this in remembrance of me guys this is so important we got to give up there's one of these four things we got to give ourselves to it's communion what is that all about you got to remember Jesus why because when you remember Jesus you remember that Christ came to save sinners the very thing that qualified Jesus to come to the earth and die on the cross was the fact that you and me were sinners That is the very thing that qualified him to come. And he came to seek and save the lost, and it's at that very thought where it begins to become real to me. That Christ came to save sinners. That Christ came, not just globally for the whole world, that that he so loved the world, but he so loved me. That he came. He so loved you that he came and this is where it begins to get really, really personal because here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. I can look at somebody else and they can, you, you heard these testimonies on stage, which by the way, we have that same screen set up. And if you wouldn't mind stopping by at the end of this service and just giving your testimony, what God's done in your life here, that would be awesome. Video camera be rolling, don't be shy, don't be scared, okay? Lamb shops are being barbecued, but you can go. <laughs> stop there first. And you see these testimonies, you hear what God has done. But see, I didn't didn't go through that with them. I wasn't there. And so I don't know how bad it was. I don't know how dark their hour was. I don't know how bad their season was. I don't know all that they were involved in. And it's one thing to hear somebody telling you about it, and it's another thing if you're the one living it. And so I can look at them and I can say, wow, awesome. God's been good to them. But I don't really know how good. And I can look at them and say, man, that's a, that's a great testimony, but I really don't know how great. But when it comes to me, I know me, and I know the darkness of my life. I know the skeletons in my closet. I know the junk in my trunk. Come on, somebody. I know. And so when I read this verse and I see in 1 Timothy that Christ came to save sinners, it begins to get real personal real quick. And it's not hard for me at that moment to begin to remember Jesus and to begin to remember the work that he has done because this, ladies and gentlemen, is a common theme throughout all of scriptures. And Paul knew this. I wanna read this scripture to you if I can, and we're gonna wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Because we got goodies out there and food trucks and lamb stuff. I love this passage. Paul understood, which is why he probably encouraged the church at Corinth so strongly, do communion. Remember Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. It says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to serve. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had accepted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus." The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Amen. Listen to what he says. Of whom I am the foremost. Paul says, I am the worst of the worst of sinners. And so when I encourage you to do communion, when I'm telling the church at Corinth, Paul, to to, to do this, he's doing it from this frame of reference. I know the power of the cross. I know what Jesus has done for me. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience, amen, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Listen, but I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example. Paul understood that old thought that God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. So much so that he says, man, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the crookedest stick out there. But God has chosen to show and display his glory in and through me. And this theme is throughout all of scripture. You think about a man named Abraham in the Old, in the old Testament. Abraham, and you think probably about the highlights of his life. And you think about how awesome, man, and he was a really wealthy guy, and, man, he, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm? Yeah, if you've been in church for a while, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, if you've ever been to a children's ministry, you know, right? Okay, it's, it's like, it's aerobics in church. Did you know that he, he, he lied and sold his own wife out to protect himself? So, some dude thought his wife was hot. Came to him and said, hey, you know, who, who's that? Oh, that's my sister. True story, it's in the Bible. He was willing to give up his own wife to protect his own skin. <laughs> he needs to watch our Man Up series. Seriously. And then you, and you go on in the list, and you, you come across people like Isaac and Rebecca. If you know that story, Isaac and Rebecca, right, they ended up having a couple of kids, twins, right? They were, they were, they were wrestling as they were coming out of the womb. Crazy story. But you look at that couple, and you talk about dysfunction, I mean, they worked the angles of their children to manipulate. It was just like, wow. I mean, this was like the original Housewives right here. (laughs) Dysfunctional. And then out of that dysfunction, they they birthed a son, Jacob. Who's Jacob? Jacob goes on to become Israel. The nations come out of him. And, And you look at his life and he was a deceiver, a manipulator, a liar, a cheater. And you would think as the story goes on in the Bible that it gets better. But then you have somebody like David, you all know King David, right? The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. And you think you can just be like, finally, someone that's normal. And you think, like, okay, we finally got to like this place where there's some normal people in the Bible, and then he goes on and he has an affair. He commits adultery. And then, and then, and then to cover it up his adultery, he kills the woman's husband. Has him killed. He doesn't do it himself, right? He's like the original mafia. (laughs) He gets someone to knock the dude off. It's true, it's in the Bible. As if that's going to help. Look, adultery is bad. You know what I should do? Let's kill somebody. (laughs) And this is a man after God's own heart. And if he's a man after God's own heart, I have to ask, man, what's in store for me? (laughs) Because if somebody after God's own heart was an adulterer and a murderer, but known as one of the best kings ever, what? and then we get to the new testament we think okay wipe the slate clean this is going to get good and then you read about the people jesus himself walking the earth chose peter for example what's his deal Jesus, I will go with you anywhere, even if it's to the grave. And then Jesus gets led away. And I don't know who that dude is. <laughs> uh, we were best buds like three days ago, but I don't know who he is now. Right? And then you read on, and you get to the book of Acts, and, and then there's this, this Paul dude that's now writing to the church of Corinth about remembering Jesus. And he's writing. And if you look at the backstory on this, guys, he puts Charles Manson to to shame. It's true. His sole intent in life was killing all the Christians. And then he's riding a donkey. I like the way the the King James original doesn't say donkey. It uses another word. (laughs) Starts with A, ends with two S's. My wife won't let me stay on stage, so I'll quote it. It says ass. And it says, she won't let me stand on stage, so I gotta quote it, are you with me, okay? And it says he gets knocked off. Has this encounter with Jesus, or with the Lord. And in that encounter, man, everything changes so much so that he goes from mass murderer to like the best pen pal any of us have. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. The guy was, like, on, like, steroids or something. He was just like, I got another letter. Put me in prison, you know? (laughs) I mean, most writers, they go on a retreat to a cabin. Paul, he gets himself thrown in prison. and He writes two-thirds. And the story continues on because then I I get to, to present day now. And yes, maybe I was joking around when I talk about my staff. But if you know the backstory of our staff, if you know the backstory, dear God, of my wife, I'm joking a little bit, but not really. I mean, the fact that she could find an amazing husband like myself—it just, it, oh, wait. It's a joke, (laughs) sort of, Um, and to know that Christ came to save sinners, and that is me. And so because of this church, if we're going to devote ourselves to something, we've we got to devote ourselves to this. And you got to devote yourself to fellowship. And whenever you do, don't forget the breaking of bread. Remember what Jesus Christ has done in you. Remember what Jesus Christ has done in me. And when you remember that, you realize this, at your five-year anniversary, there's a lot more me's out there. There's a lot more crooked sticks out there. There's a lot more jacked up, messed up people out there. There's a lot more people out there that God wants to use to draw straight lines. And you look at them and you think, I don't know about that one. God said, no, I don't want that one. Because there's really nothing that special about taking a perfectly straight-edged stick and drawing a straight line. But when you pull yourself back from the picture for a moment and you see the tools that God has in his hands, you say, wow, God, you're amazing. How you created Canvas Church out of that, I have no clue. God, you're amazing. God, how you're reaching the city of San Diego using those people, I, I don't get it. But that's not just for Canvas Church. If you could pull yourself back and look at every tool that God uses, including your own life, you would say, God, wow wow god that's impressive listen to me i'm not talking about god not taking sin out of humanity he does that he takes sin out of our life he does that but see there's too many people that have come to jesus Jesus has forgiven of them their sins. They're sin-free, but there's too many of them they are sitting back like, well, well I, I don't know, I just, got, I just got to wait till I know a little bit more of the Word. I just got to wait until, I, I don't know, like I get around some more Christian friends. I just got to wait until maybe I pray a few more decades. I just got to wait until, I don't know if I know enough. I don't, I, I. No, God uses the simple things of the world to confound the wise. And let me just take it a step further. God uses the despised things of the church to do some pretty incredible things. Because as much as we'd like to say, man, I'm with you, Jesus. Man looks on the outward, but Jesus, you look on the inward. I'm looking on the inward with you. We don't. We look at crooked sticks and we say, I don't know if this is gonna happen. But God's not looking at your past. God's looking at the work he's doing right now presently in you and he sees a future that is bigger than you. And so as Canvas Church, I believe the next five years, is gonna blow these last five years out of the water. Matter of fact, the next 12 months is gonna blow these last five years out of the water. We're gonna see more people saved. We're gonna see more marriages restored. We're gonna see more bodies healed. We're gonna see more of his grace poured out. We're gonna see more provision. We're gonna see God do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. Because that's the God we serve because that's the God we serve. And it doesn't matter if there's 300, it doesn't matter if there's 3,000. God can take whatever you have to give him and draw some pretty incredible lines. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is absolutely amazing and Lord, we thank you today that we could celebrate not only five years, but we could celebrate the future that you have for us. Knowing that, God, you're taking these crooked sticks and you're drawing straight lines and you're building something. And, Lord, there's often times when we don't even fully comprehend what you're building, but we can rest assured as long as the stick is in your hand, it's going to be amazing. And so, Lord, this morning, God, as Canvas Church, we rededicate ourselves to what you're doing in this city. God, we rededicate, Lord, our life, our existence, our finances, our time, Lord, our agendas, our plans to, God, what you're doing, Lord, in the city of San Diego. Lord, this is our city. God, you've placed us here. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.